Lifted KC, we aim to reduce the stigma associated with mental health by promoting awareness of mental illness, its symptoms, and providing resources for those in need. We believe that through trust, relationships, understanding, service, and teamwork, transformation is possible. Support the Men Heal movement by donating to the Cash App handle LiftedKCOrg. For more information about our organization, visit www.liftedkc.org. Lifted KC, transforming lives through hope and healing. Before we hop in and get officially started, how was the week this week? Oh, dang. Just mute the music as soon as I start talking. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought you was, uh, I thought you needed a little, <laughs> I thought you needed less background noise. No, no, ain't nobody saying nothing about that but you. Kill the music. Kill the light. Hit the beat, DJ. My bad. <laughs> yeah. So how was the week this week? Talk to me, talk to me. Uh long. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're here. Yeah. We're here. That's all I can say. I'm thankful. I have no complaints. Yeah. I could complain, but it wouldn't get me nowhere, you know. Okay. Wouldn't get me nowhere. How's um? How's everybody mental though? Everybody good? <sighs> I don't like the sound of that. You know, we trying. We trying. <laughs> we trying. I am balanced. I feel like I got a little um distress going on but then i got some positive things going on so it, it's balancing out for me right now that's awesome but well, you have an exciting evening though I, I i do i'm trying to trying to get my mind together today's mm -hmm. been a little doozy but we're getting there yeah yeah you gonna be there Mm -hmm. yeah, for, sure. mm -hmm. for um for some of the uh, folks that are still down in the audience, uh, I did send you guys an invite to speak. You can come to the stage. You can mute your mic or unmute your mic at your will. Everything is optional. Uh, but we love we 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 great that you guys. Very glad that you guys decided to join us tonight. Yes. GT, I see you down there. What's going on, boy? And then we got Miss Tierra in the room. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Thanks for joining, sis. Yes. I'm excited. How you doing, Miss Tierra? I'm yes. good. How are you? So does anybody got weekend plans? 
I know the topic is a little heavy, but anything to brighten your weekend? Anything y'all looking forward to? Sleep. Yes. You just lazy. <laughs> Nah, no. I had a long week. I'm working <laughs> them nights. I'm surprised you still functioning. I, he be brunching. Don't let him tell y'all that. I do though. I ain't gonna cap. I don't cap. Sundays is probably the my fun days, and that's if I decide to get out. Because last weekend, day. last weekend was the birthday, and I ain't do much. I really went out with my little brother. We went to the uh, went to go see Super Mario Brothers. I was I was excited. That was a dope movie, and you know it was just a, a very much so peaceful birthday. I'm glad I, oh. I changed the narrative behind how I normally do my birthday. So it was, you know, as I, as I go through this growth of maturity, you know, I know like certain things I don't like to do anymore. You know. Come on, growth. I hope y'all heard my snap. Yeah. Hey, how's everybody doing? What up, Holly? I heard you earlier. You know, I'm at I'm at my second job. If everybody don't know, so I'm kind of tapping in while I'm at work. So I'll be in and out. But just want to oh, say what's a, up to everybody. Yeah, he, 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 We'll be sending you good energy. Hopefully that, that second gig goes right, you know. So, I appreciate it. I'm saying hi to Miss Gen is it Genesea in our audience? She hasn't came up, but I just want to reach out and say hey to her. Yeah, right on. I, I might have mispronounced her name. Don't hold it against me. Yeah, it's all in love. Get us right and we'll come we'll, we'll come. Correct the next time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's about six fifteen. Um, and I think to be respectful of everyone who's joined so far, you know, we can definitely get started and, and welcome and transition those in as they join. Um, but before we get into the topic at hand, maybe some brief housekeeping rules. I'll try to pop these in the chat once the conversation gets going. Um, but, you know, we just want to create a safe space for everyone to share their perspective, to share their story so we can change, you know, exchange notes and, and really learn how to process and how to support one another through grief. Um, and so in order to do so, what we do ask everyone is that you mute your, yourself if you're not the one um, speaking, if you are on stage but not speaking and just please be mindful of the background sounds um you know it would be great if we can allow each person to complete their sentences in fullness to complete their perspective without being cut off so that's definitely the two biggest things you know um obviously we'll do our best to make sure that we can hear everyone and if you're not on the stage and you have questions or topics um that you want to discuss please utilize our chat or even let us know that you want to want to come onto the stage and we'll definitely bring you on up here so that's that's just some ground rules from my perspective moderators do you want to add anything else in before we kind of kick things off with the topic at hand I just say respect everybody's story, everybody's experiences, everyone's feelings. We don't all process things the same way. So let's just be mindful to be open-minded and respect the person that has the floor. Agreed. 
I concur. I concur. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, with that in mind, you know, um, maybe I'll go ahead and kind of just start with what we're going to be discussing this evening, and that's griefing. You know, grief comes in all different shapes, forms, experiences, and sources. Obviously, the most common being death, loss of a loved one, um, but it doesn't have to be just death by way of someone no longer being on this earth. It can be the ending of relationships. It can be severances of bonds. You know, it can be naturally drifting away from someone. There's all different sources and forms of griefing, and we just wanted to open up the space and the conversation to talk about that on this evening. Um, this topic comes from a movement that a few of us have started called the Blacked Out Couch. Uh, the purpose of that movement, if you're not if you're not aware of it, is really just to create these sorts of spaces for these conversations, but specifically in the Black community. Historically, we have not been open to having difficult conversations like this in a space of healthy healing. You know, sometimes when we do talk about these things, it's always in a more of a toxic, got to be strong, can't be broken, can't show emotion sort of space and environment, which doesn't allow us to, to heal, to address, to feel. Um, and so the Blacked Out Couch is, is a movement that's aiming towards tearing down those stigmas. Founded by a few of us here, supported by many, and and hoping that we're going to elevate the community together. So if you're not a part of our Facebook group, you know, feel free to join that. Share this movement with your friends, your loved ones, and those around you. Um, but for this room tonight, I don't know if anyone wanted to start with the conversation about griefing. But um, while I have the mic, I'll go ahead and just say, you know, my birthday was was 14 days ago today. Um, and something that I didn't talk about was how, you know, about a month ago before that was the second anniversary of my father's passing. And I saw my mom, my uncles, my brothers, everybody kind of addressing it and talking about it and posting. And I could not bring myself to say anything on the matter. My birthday was very challenging for me because he would be the person that was super excited about it. And my husband, my partner, you know, whose rib I belong to, he did a great job at, at really reminding me that, hey, we need to do something. Hey, we need to make sure that we're carving time out for you. But I really just wanted to sink into my my dark place. I just wanted to be home, not around nobody um, and, and, and just kind of to myself. So while I didn't ever acknowledge it openly as grief, I'm going to acknowledge it around each of you all that I think in my own right, it was grief for me. Um, and so maybe we can we can start there. Someone kind of wants to answer what is grief, right? That's a question I'm, I'm posing to each of you all. What is grief? And how do you process? Um, grief, you know, is uh, you go through a deep sorrow. You lose a it if it in regards of a loved one and everything you know, and it's just all just how you adapt to a lot of things. Like me personally, you know, I deal with grief and what people sometimes don't understand. You know, we don't normally get over that person. We just learn to to live with it and just with that. Just like promise up my mother and like you mentioned your father. You know, my mother's birthday was uh the 9th of April, and anybody that knows me, my mother was my best friend. So that was, you know what I'm saying, when I'm at the age of 21, that took a lot out of me. 
you know, I went through a phase to where I started questioning God's work. But, you know what I'm saying, as I got older, you know what I'm saying, sometimes you have to put in perspective, like, God needed her more than I needed her. So, and that's why I'm doing this because, you know what I'm saying, it's a lot of people, you know, they could say they, they, you know what I'm saying, we can go through the same thing. You lost your mother, but you can't never tell them how to grieve. You don't know what process to go through. That's why I used to dislike when people say, oh, I can only imagine it. Because you don't know that type of impact that that person had in your life while going through that process of grieving. So, it's, you know what I'm saying, like I said, this is, um, is it something that I personally got over? No, it's something I still live with. But I just learned to adjust to it. I learned to live with it. I learned to tell my stories to help others through their process of going through the same thing that I went through. So grief, like I said, is just a deep, deep sorrow. And, you know, it's something that we at times go through something that's very much so unexpected in our lifetime. So. It's real grief is sorrow and you know to respond back to you i do just want to say my condolences to you you know i don't care how many years ago it was loss is loss um and, and like you said the pain never really goes away you just kind of learn how to breathe through how to manage how to manage it um so my condolences to you on that appreciate you peace and blessings yeah. i appreciate you of course of course of course you know um so maybe if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit you know, this time of year, what do you do? What do you typically do when you get heavy? How, how do you find yourself processing whether it's Music. natural or unnatural? Music. Yeah. And, I, and I, I learned a new thing. Like, I I've, I really got back a lot. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, things that you dislike or things that make you happy. You know, things that you... In your life, you you know that you have that's a bad habit that you have to cut ties with, you know music, and also as well as um. As well as uh, I'm a big movie watcher. Series and everything, so just seeing other you know what I'm saying things like as far as creativity and everything, I build from that. So it's you know. And if, let's say, if I'm, I go through a moment, you know what I'm saying, which I feel like it's okay, sometimes you just want to be to yourself. Sometimes you just want to be seclusive from everything. And you know what I'm saying? It's just momentarily, you know what I'm saying? It's not like you're trying to cut off the world for good. You just need that moment to yourself. And then you, you're back to normal. You know, like I said, you know, I think the most with the situation is my my little brother. My little brother lost his mother at the age of 12. So I, I try to comfort him as much as I can, you know, cause he didn't get that type of privilege as I did when I was coming up with my mother, so. I think I like the part where uh, Z stated that it's okay to seclude yourself sometimes. I think a lot of times we need that alone time to process for ourselves because you gotta think, um, I'm thinking back to when my grandmother passed, it was 10 years ago, but I allowed myself to be there for everybody else that I didn't take the necessary time that I need. So now certain things are hitting me when 
I possibly should have allowed myself to grieve then and it, it's making it a lot harder. So just learning that sometimes it's okay to shut the world out and deal with what you need to deal with, how you need to deal with, and don't let nobody tell you different. Don't stay secluded, but definitely be okay with taking the time that you need. Uh, have a person that you trust and that you know close enough that you can reach out and be like, hey, I'm about to isolate so that even if you can't pull yourself out, they can come get you, but they allow you that time to process what you need to process. So my biggest regret um, when my grandmother passed was not taking time to myself. Caused a lot of panic attacks, a lot of anger. Um, I fell out with a lot of people just because I wasn't in a healthy space to understand what was happening to me. Just to um, add clarity on what I was stating, and I mean, I'm it's fine to disagree, but I'm I merely mean um, if you're not in a place where you know how to self-regulate and pull yourself out when you start going into that rabbit hole, then I think it's safe to make sure that you have a support system. Um, if you believe that you are strong enough and you know your triggers and you know when it's time to get up and push on, then by any means, I mean, again, the way I handle things isn't necessarily for everybody to handle it that way. I just say, if you don't know how, make sure you have the rope available for someone to pull you up. That's my piece. Yeah, yeah. And so, and actually, Ms. Devin, I'm going to come back to you because I don't know if I necessarily heard your definition of grief, but I definitely want to want to get that out of your uh, brain before you have to hop. But, you know, a question that I want to pose to the, the group um, is going to be seclusion, right? I, I do want to drill down a little bit more on that because a lot of times when we say seclusion it might mean oh just kind of cut yourself off turn your phone off be at home kind of go into a hermit but what i feel like i found is the emotional seclusion that is very popular in a black community where we're not really okay and we're not talking about it right we're not bringing anyone else in on how we're feeling but we're still going around and being around people as if we're not secluded i think you know my husband oftentimes calls it putting on a mask so you know what do we say about that how do we feel about that sort of seclusion and how that connects with what miss devin said about you know knowing that you have a support system making sure that you are able to self-regulate so that you don't slip into unhealthy behaviors I'm sorry. Um, you just asking in general, or were you were you asking Devin specifically? No, I'm asking in general, right? Like I feel like we talked a lot about seclusion in terms of removing ourselves from people and taking the time we need. But now I'm I'm asking more about the emotional seclusion, which I think is very common in the black community, where we we emotionally mask how we're really feeling, and we don't let anyone in. Yeah, I um, I, I I practice that a lot, um, you know, and and uh, I practice that even when I'm not, you know, necessarily secluding myself from people, right? I think that I wear uh, a lot of masks to, um, you know, to get through the days, uh, to make to to not make others that I'm around uncomfortable, um, or project, you know, what I may be feeling on the inside deep down. Uh, I try not to project that on others. Um, so those are some of the reasons that I wear the mask. But 
Um, I do think that it is. I, I agree with you. I think it is very common uh, in the black community um, to wear those sort of masks, you know, from an emotional standpoint, uh, especially as it pertains to grief. Um, but I, I think that that, you know, if I had to if I had to try to assess it, um, I also think that that is kind of forced upon us um, from a societal standpoint. Um, I think that society already, uh, you know, whether you're black, white or brown, I think that society kind of has this standard, this practice of uh, how they deal with death as uh, let's let's just continue to move on. Let's let's keep it moving. Um, let's get over it as quick as possible. Let's keep business running as usual. Society kind of, you know, they'll, they'll give you a couple of days off from work. But society uh, more or less kind of forces you to continue to move on. Um, and, and you don't really have a lot of space or time to uh, to emotionally grieve. So you always, you know, you find yourself just as a, a member of society kind of burying your grief and, and you know, you know, sticking your chest out, putting your head up and, and trying to move on to the next day. Uh, I think for black folks in general, um, I think it's even more amplified for us. Right. And uh, the reason why I say that is because I, I feel like, you know, black people, I think that we we uh, deal with the loss, uh, the loss of loved ones at a, at a, at a much different rate than a, than a lot of uh, a lot of our other uh, you know peers from outside groups. I think that, you know, when you talk about just the, the whole concept of, of living in two different Americas, um, you know, the whole concept of uh, the urban culture that, 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 that a lot of us come in up under, um, you know, we, we, we deal with a lot of our elders. They never make it to be true elders, right? You know, um, you know we deal with black people dying at a young age. Um, whether we're talking about kids or adults, you know, we deal with a lot of death. There's a lot of homicide in our communities. Um, we deal with a lot of death. And so I think it's even more amplified for us because we're grieving um, at a different rate than a lot of folks. And then at the same time, we still have to, you know, put on that mask to, to, to bury what we're feeling truly emotionally, just, just for us to continue to be functioning members of society. All right, all right. I appreciate that perspective, Miss Nico. I think I saw you about to unmute right before Hollywood was going to speak. I was. Hey, everyone. Um, I actually was just going to kind of touch on that. How you were saying the seclusion emotionally, basically that suffering silence uh, mentality. So we most definitely, um, like Hollywood was saying, we you know society kind of forces us to kind of keep moving. Um, keep going, just kind of get over and, you know, continue. So yes, we don't typically take enough time to process everything that we need to process. Um, but in the meantime, we actually have to show this face, you know, chin up, chest out. Um, but I do also feel that healing actually looks like that as well. So sometimes it can be confusing. Um, you if you process and if you are taking the time you need the seclusion the the support you know people heal differently some people need to do it alone some people need to do it in groups like however you heal if you actually are actively working on healing 
you can be dealing with all sorts of grief in any category and you actually can still be okay you know you don't have to be actually suffering in silence you can actually be okay um but also with that being said it's all ongoing so i absolutely can feel okay and i can be progressing and doing all these great things and then it sometimes shocks you when you find yourself like in a sunken place again but it's okay that's okay as well so you you just go through your process of healing and your coping skills and all those things and kind of and get yourself back together so a lot of people kind of are really really hard on themselves when they feel like i thought i healed from that i should not be grieving anymore and if you open your mind and understand that yeah you actually are just fine you will have to grieve something more than once you know it'll be it'll be ongoing um but yeah just want to add that thank you thank you so i i do think that 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 response kind of goes towards a common theme that i'm hearing um i've heard grief being sorrow i've heard it being through time and ongoing you know maybe some someone who just joined us if you want to answer the question what is grief to you someone who hasn't spoke yet if i could i just kind of wanted to elaborate on what holly said and a little bit of what nico said go right ahead thank you no problem um so i do agree that um most people in america they they do not take any time to grieve you know they go to the memorial service they tell their stories about their person but after that they don't go home and talk about it or open up about exactly how they feel about a death or the loss of a, lo a loved one and most communities in america don't actually understand the rate of death in the black community um so for a lot of people in America, it's hard for them to understand because their people aren't dying at the same rate. So, and I also believe though, in the process of healing is your time to be able to open up and speak about it. When you're in your process of healing, you should try and be in more of a mind state to be open with more people about what you're going through and what others may be going through around you. That was it. That was my. I'll speak up uh, now that I got a chance. Um, it, it's, it's hard to do that. Uh, it's hard to, to, to speak up and let people know because all you want to do is go into your corner and just be alone. You really don't want to speak up, even though you need that, that, that healing and you need that, that part of the grieving to, to be able to get it out and not hold it. Because, you know, my family, she always taught me, if you feel the air, if you feel the room in the air, you keep putting air in it, eventually what it's going to do, it's going to bust. And so, you know, we don't want people to get to the breaking point, but we also want to be able to help one another and help each other get through this. So um, it's a really fine line, and it's, 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 a, it's hard to walk that line. Um, you know, depending on the level of grief that someone may be dealing with. Uh, you know, me personally, uh, I deal with grief with the loss of my mother. And uh, 
that was back in 2016. But I'm still learning how to do it because every year is different for me. It just depends on, you know, it really just depends on the level of stress that you're dealing with at the time. Because, you know, like everyone, you know, there's always a point in time where you're so stressed out that you just want to talk to your, your mom and you want to talk to your dad. And when that lifeline is not there, um, it, it becomes very challenging on the family. So I just want to jump in and say that it's not the easiest thing to do to just open up and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with, just because of the simple fact that you want to go into your little corner and just be away and be alone. So I get it, but there's also I get the other side, and it's a real fine line to try to walk that line and still stay level-headed. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, because you know, for me personally, I'm I'm 44 now, right? And and um, I mean, it took it took years uh, before I was able to open up about some of the real things that I was, you know, going through uh, with, with, with even just the people around me. It took it took decades, man. I was well well into my adulthood uh, before I found the, the the courage and the strength to even tell somebody close to me that I'm that I'm struggling emotionally. Um, you know, especially just the urban, the urban, uh, community that we come from and then just being black man, um, you know, we, we, we taught to bury our emotions, not to cry, um, not to even have emotions. You know, they tell you don't be in your feelings. And, uh, so you, you kind of develop this, this hardness around you. And, and, um, so, so when you are, you know, dealing with things emotionally on the inside, uh, I know for a lot of black men and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it is really challenging to even admit that to the next person, no matter who that next, who that next person is. And and for me, um, you know, it took years. And, you know, what we're doing now with, with, with the Blacked Out Couch and this movement, um, these sort of support groups, um, 10 years ago, I, I wouldn't even been willing to participate in something like this. Um, so so I do I do agree with with GT from from that aspect that it it is very challenging um, for, for for each individual to, to to get to that point where you you have the the courage and the willingness to open up about what you're feeling on the inside. Uh, so so I would want to you know get everybody else's feedback on that um, as far as you know just acknowledging and speaking on some of those challenges. Well, I would say. <clears throat> You know, when you say these things, when people, you know, just kind of talk about healing and, you know, getting over it or whatever the case may be, it's not to say that it's easy. It's most definitely hard. It's most definitely challenging. Um, you want to get to the bottom of why it's so hard. Like sometimes we think that it's going to be hard or it feels hard, but we actually didn't even try it out. And it's based on like, I agree with you, Holly, like it's it's ingrained in us, like as far as a black man, for sure, but just look, strong black woman, you know what I'm saying? We supposed to be strong black women. We can't say that, you know, we can't handle, we tired, you know, we can't take care of these kids that we, that we made. We can't, you know, like there's so much that we are supposed to be so strong about that we just say that it's hard before we actually tried it and experienced it being hard. So it's just hard in thought initially um however 
if you are able to find spaces like this and support and things like that, and you actually try and test it out, you can, you know, therapy as well, but just, you know, different spaces and different people, and then you test it out, then you actually have something tangible that, okay, yeah, it actually was hard. I'm not saying it's not hard, but, you know, sometimes we say it's hard, but we, we're not always giving it the um, experience to know how hard it may be. And then once you try something and like you figure out the ins and outs and okay, that was hard, like that didn't work or that made it worse or that made it better, then you can make the necessary adjustments to continue to try and, you know, open up or, you know, get the support that you need that'll make it just a little bit easier to bear as you continue to try and, you know, grieve and um, heal and things like that. Yeah, I would say for me, because um, you got grief and mourning, you know, like you mourn the loss of a loved one and you grieve after they die. Um, now, of course, these words have their own definitions, but just speaking personally, mourning is like missing, of course, who the person was, but also missing who you was when they was around. Uh, and then grief is the process of trying to figure out and learning how to function and exist with this new version of yourself that no longer has this person to rely on. That's what grief means to me personally. That's my definition. That's deep right there, man. I, 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 I definitely connect with that. T-Don, what's up, bro? How you feeling tonight? Pretty good, man. Peace and bless. Peace and bless. I know. Appreciate you for joining and tapping in. Um, I'm going to go back to what Nico was saying because um, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree, uh, but I also don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly um, in terms of, you know, how we, we I do agree that, you know, there are things, you know, like opening up to somebody uh, that we say is hard before we've tried it. But then there's also like the concept of trying it and it, it it maybe not being as hard as you thought it was, but it is still hard um, or it's way harder than you even thought it was uh, because of the reactions that you may get. You know, uh, some of some of the energy that that, that may follow behind uh, opening up to, to, to somebody, you know, for the first time. Um, there's that aspect of. You know, if something doesn't go the way uh, that it needed to for you emotionally, uh, then, then now you become even more closed minded to, to opening up to the next person, uh, to opening up to that person again. Um, and, and you know, I get it right. I get the whole concept of, yeah, but uh, yeah, you just got to try it. Yeah, you just got to try it. But how? Right. I think I think. Um, I think we want to take spaces like this. We want to take the opportunity to uh, speak on the whys, right? Like, why why do we feel it so hard? Me, I kind of gave an example. Uh, and Nico, she followed up with that example, just, you know, being black in general uh, and, and, and not having the space to say, you know, hey, I can't do this right now, right? That That's a why, right? And that's something that society puts on us. And some of that we project on each other, just in, 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 in the terms that, uh, in, in the ways that we treat each other. 
um, because a lot of that stuff is embedded in us. But what are some of the other reasons, right? Like GT spoke on, you know, depending on what type of stress you might, you, there, there, there's outside things that are going on in life um, that, you know, now on top of you grieving or mourning, because, you know, G-Don, I, I love his definitions of, of those two things. And, and I think I do agree with that. Um, but those are things that could be an ongoing process just day to day. Right. So it depends on what life throws at you. But what are some of the things uh, if we want to start to dig, you know, into the root cause of why we feel like it's so hard? You know, what do we do when we have tried it? And it's still just as hard or even harder than, than, than we thought it might be, because uh, for a lot of us, everybody's journey moves at a different pace. And I think that all of us that are, that are even just in this space right now, uh, it speaks a lot about where we are in our process uh, of, of understanding healing and that journey, because it takes a lot of courage just to even be in spaces like this, no matter where you are in life, no matter what's stressing you out in life. Um, but but everybody's process doesn't move at the same pace. So, you know, how do we dig into it? How do we dig into, um, you know, those those situations where people have tried and still now they're even more closed minded to it. Can can I just say I've been working on that for 21 years. I feel like I've been in a state of mourning for 21 years. Excuse me. The problem is, is I lost my daughter. Um, and when I try to open up to people, it feels like people haven't been through what I've been through. So it's hard to take their support or their suggestions when they've never had to live through the exact thing that, you know, you had to live through or I had to live through. So it's really hard to continue to open up to people when they want to know what's wrong and you want to talk to them about what's wrong, but they can't fully comprehend or understand where you're coming from. You know, I'll definitely just hop in here real quick and say my condolences to you um, for that. That's that's definitely a loss like no other uh, and, and commend you for, you know, continuing through each day. Um, you know, in terms of the, the isolation, you know, I guess for me personally, if, if I feel like um, people don't understand what I've been through and I can definitely say I don't understand what you've been through but for me personally I think I get frustrated when people try to tell me what I should do um you know at least for me support really looks like meet me where I am sometimes I just need you to be here um especially if it's someone a a, a loved one that I lost right there there's different ways to grieve you can grieve because of severance of relationships losses of friendships um you know that's that's a different type of loss. But when someone has passed away, learning how to process and function through life without them, like Mr. G. Don was saying, that's a near impossible trait. And, you know, I try at times to find ways to build new relationships, you know, just to help feel, fill that void a little bit. It can never truly be replaced, but sometimes I don't want the whole, you should do this and that. Sometimes I just need you to be here with me. I, I want to chime in real quick. <laughs> Who's Go going? Go see <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to chime in uh, and say that I think one of the things that have worked for me, because 
sometimes we do put those expectations out there and I'm okay with the person not understanding how I feel because it's my feelings. But one of the things that I have learned is to tell people how to love me when I'm unlovable, but I have to do it when I'm not in that state of mind. Um, it, they're not going to get me because most of the time when I'm in them places, I don't get me. I can't vocalize what I need from somebody. I don't expect them to understand. Majority of the time, my pulling you in is really looking like I'm pushing you away. So before I get to that place, I try to sit down with people that I know I can trust again because I think trust is the biggest thing in healing. You can't do it with people that you don't that you can't feel vulnerable with. So when you have those moments where today is a good day, those are the days that you probably need to pull somebody in and say, hey, I'm having a good day. Let's talk. Let me tell you what my bad days look like. Let me tell you what I need when I can't tell you what I need. Let me tell you what I'm feeling when I can't tell you what I'm feeling so that you can better be able to assist me. Kind of like Princess said, some days we can't talk. We just need you to sit here. And you steady asking us questions is going to frustrate us and push you away when in essence, we really just want you to sit down and shut up. So try from my perspective i try to teach people how to love me when i'm in a good place so that when those bad places and those bad times come they know how to respond yeah if i could follow up on that that i do the exact same thing um one of the you know when me and my current girlfriend were starting to get serious um you know as we were you know having our talks about what's your family like and what's your favorite color and all of that, you know, getting to know you stuff. Once we started getting serious, one of the conversations that I had with her was, you know, of course I let her know that I've dealt with depression in the past and I'm still in therapy, you know, just in order to make sure that I maintain myself and continue to grow and not, you know, get sidetracked in such a way where I have a setback. But one of the things, one of the conversations I had with her was, here are the signs of me looking like I'm in the slide. I might be sliding into depression. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's how I'm going to act. Um, here's some things you're going to see maybe around the house or in my mannerisms or what I do from day to day. Here's how I might even dress. <laughs> um, you know, just act because as you, now that's a little bit easier to do on the other side or with at a certain point throughout your healing process. Cause as you're healing and growing after whatever type of event, you can look back and you know, a lot of the I, I grew up uh, you know, Church of God in Christ Pentecostal. A lot of the times they said, Oh, the enemy took this and the enemy took that and yada yada yada. Well, for me those those are just words and phrases where they just came up with whatever words and phrases that they had. So I know for me personally, uh, depression took my self-care away and I fought to get that back. Uh, depression took my independence away and I fought to get that back. So when I started losing my grip on those things, that's like a sign for me that, okay, something might be going on. And so I also shared that with my loved ones and said like, hey, if you come around me and you see this and you see that, then check in on, you know, and I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to be the hard headed, slick mouth person, you know, but, you know, just check in on me. 
So I think what Devin was saying about, you know, teaching people who love you how to love you when you're going through those rough moments, I do think that is very, very important. And I, I also agree. I think uh, if I can chime in, um, I feel like a lot of times when we deal with grief, you know, we have a trouble with accepting our emotions. Like we tried to hold so much back. Like, if you in the mood of crying, let it out. Cause sometimes that's a cleansing for you. You know what I'm saying? As you know, these are ways when I was, when I lost my mother, these are ways that I had to build myself to be able to live and adjust to it. Like pr preserve the memories, you know what I'm saying? And you know, and I do appreciate the people at times when they reach out to you and you, you know what I'm saying? They give you support. That's love. I, you know what I'm saying? It never goes unnoticed at all. But sometimes, like I said, you know, seclusion, you know what I'm saying, I don't knock that because sometimes you just don't, you try to avoid going to, into that dark space at times when I was very much so infamous for going into. So, and believe it or not, you know what I'm saying, um, my mother died December 9, 2008. So... Even years before, you know, of course, the pain, you know, we still go through the pain. It's something like I'm just now learning to accept everything. I'm just now learning to adjust everything because, like I said, a lot of it has to do with the people around my surroundings that it affect them as well. So, I'm, I'm like I said, these are, you know what I'm saying, more so ways I'm learning to, like, cope with things and hopefully it can help out others you know what I'm saying like I whatever you know what I'm saying when you guys say you lost a child you lost a brother you lost a mother I you know I'm not gonna you know I can't relate to how you're feeling only thing I can do is be there for you and I'll be wanting the same thing mutually you know what I'm saying be understanding like you you don't know what I'm going through at times you know and I think a lot of times the people lack that knowledge of the, the definition behind grief. I feel like I got slapped in the face about three, four, five times with wisdom. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of that was empowering. Um, you know, just um, I'm going I'm to play the dares to be different again. So, because, um, you know, what Devin and Gidon said uh, in terms of you know, teaching those around you, you know, what to expect when uh when you're in, you know, not so good of a place. You know, what what happens when you are doing those things and and um those people don't take heed when you find yourself repeating yourself. What what happens in those moments? Uh how do you deal with that? Well then at that point in time it's time to assess them. Um, but, but every, 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 you know, you're saying at what point in time, because, you know, if you have to, you know, if it's, if it's something that, um, maybe has happened once or twice, or are you saying there's a certain number of times, um, at what point, right? You know, cause that can happen, you know, for somebody with somebody close to you, you know, maybe just one time and some people are, are, are zero tolerant. Right. Like, you know, I don't I'm not going to repeat myself about this. Right. So. So at what point do you mean it's time to assess? 
Sure. Uh, now, this is just me talking. But for me, I would say is it would be a combination of multiple times because just, again, just me talking, you got to give people grace. So if you was having a bad day one day and somebody who you love didn't notice, if you wasn't around them all day or if you don't know every fiber of who they are, you don't know if they're really having a good day themselves or not. It might be having a mask on just like you got your mask. Now, again, it also depends on the severity. Now, and how much did they know? So if we talking like, just, you know, being as an example, we talking like a coworker, you and this coworker cool, you having a bad day, you coming to work, you kind of stalking around and they don't notice it. Can you really blame that coworker? Now, if they do, then okay, you can respect them a little more. Like, okay, this person sees me, really understands me. Maybe our friendship can be a little bit closer. Now, and if you got one of your homies, who you call your day ones, your homeboys, yada, yada. And y'all been knowing each other for, you know, maybe five, six, ten years and they don't catch it. Then it's when it's time to maybe, you know, have that talk with them like, hey, you know, if you catch me doing this, then, you know, I mean, something going on, check in on me. So once they're once they're aware, then they are accountable. You can't hold somebody accountable for something they're not aware of. You know, and now of course within reason. Now if we now if your homeboy who you've been knowing for ten years walk in on you masked and fully cracked and on the floor in pieces and you you know crying, spazzing, whatever, and they don't attune to you at least in that level, then that person is just not capable. And so now you have to assess, okay, am I going to be friends with this person who's incapable? Or is this person capable? Or are they just not capable with me? You kind of assess it from there. And and so that's the reason why I say multiple times. And then all, again, that like that last point I made about the severity. So if you are just maybe having just, uh, let's say 10 is the best day of your life, you know, one is the uh, worst day. If you're just having like a random four day because, you know, rent that came due, bills that came due, you had to pay taxes unexpectedly and all this happened at once and you just, you know, having like a four day, nothing traumatic happened, but just normal everyday life. And somebody doesn't really catch that. eh, that's not so bad. But if you like, hey, man, I'm just having a moment. Somebody, you know, real important to me just passed or this aspect of my life that I, you know, it has, has just automatically changed for no, for, you know, out of nowhere, you know, I just, you know, need your support, need some time. Are you making it apparent even without verbalizing it? It's apparent because they are aware of what the change that's happened and they still don't come in and check on you. Then it's like, okay, now I have to assess you. Now that I'm putting myself together, I need to assess, is the new me after I'm done with this grieving process, the me that I'm going to become after I'm done grieving, is that person going to be friends with you after this? <laughs> or am I going to have any interactions with you? Um, now, I think Holly, you might be talking about stuff like, um, like spouses and stuff like that, which is a whole nother level and I ain't married. So yeah, I'm gonna leave that alone. No, I wasn't. I wasn't speaking on any particular relationship, right? Uh, what I really was speaking on was I was leading back up to. Then that takes that that, that it's a domino effect, right? 
um, you, you get to the point where you have to assess the relationship. Not not necessarily talking about cutting off or ending the relationship, but I'm assessing the relationship. And now uh, I have to watch how much of myself I can reveal to this person. Uh, if I am having a bad day, you go back into that closed minded space of I'm grieving or I'm mourning and, and, and I don't feel comfortable expressing that to the next person, opening up to the next person about it. I was going for the domino effect. So I wasn't really speaking on any relationship in, in general. I'm speaking on this is this is day to day shit that happens. Right. You know, you can tell you can teach somebody how to what to expect. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, this one particular or two particular times that don't catch it. And now you are assessing, you go into that process that you guys spoke on. And now where do you where do you go from that process? If you know the, the, this person is still around, you may not be as close to that person now. That's 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 what that closed off space looks like. And that's what I'm speaking on. I'm speaking on the domino effect and why it becomes something that is is easier said than done. I want to pose a question. If I mean, if we can come back to the question, if Hollywood stay with uh, what he just stated. But one of the things that I heard Holly say and we've described in this conversation is wearing this mask or isolating ourselves or um, not being completely transparent with people. Um, I know we often like shy away from wearing a mask, but just listening to some things, is there ever a time where it is okay to wear a mask? Like I know Holly was saying, this is his day to day. He goes to work. So when you go to work, you have to be in that mode. You can't go in somber every day. So my question, if anybody wants to chime in, is there ever a okay to wear a mask? And it should it be defined as something different than wearing a mask? Because I think we also put ourselves in boxes when we get to labeling certain things that may not be um, appropriate for a label. I think I'm I'm going to hop in real quick and answer that question and say, yes, you know, I do think that it is okay to wear masks. I might even go as far as to say, I think it's necessary because, you know, um, part, part of just getting through life and carrying the load and persevering, right, is this concept of having self-discipline to push through even when you don't feel like it. Now, I'm going to say all of that with the caveat of it's very important to be self-aware and self-in-tune because you need to be able to have places and spaces where you can kind of call and time out and take that mask off. And, you know, what's, what's the popular saying? Let your hair down. But I do think that that it's okay to wear a mask. And I think it might even be necessary at times. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That was that was part of my 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 routine with with Darren to be different, right? I kept saying that as a caveat. Um, is is that you know the, the closed space, the 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 solitude, uh, the not being transparent. Um, Miss Devin, um, it's not really um, a label. I do like the label though, right? I I like the label of the mask because that's what it feels like, right? It feels like there are times when I can take off this mask and I can tell you, look, I'm really fucked up. If I'm, if I trust you in that space, uh, my wife know it. It's times I take the mask completely off and she sees that more than anybody. 
right? Um, but I, I, I define it as a mask because that's what it feels like. It feels like I have to put on uh, some sort of protective layer um, in, in, in order to get through the days. Like, like, like she said, I, she thinks it's okay and necessary. I agree a thousand percent. I think it's necessary. Um, you know, maybe, maybe necessary more than it is okay. Right. But I think it can be both of those things. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way that I labeled. If anybody else labels it as a mask, that's fine. Ms. Devin, if you take it to a vote, um, I won't label yours as a mask, but I'll continue to label mine. If that's fair. <laughs> is definitely fair i was just wondering because I, I mean what i'm getting from this whole mental health world is we put labels on everything and like we are all agreeing sometimes it is okay not to be vulnerable but does that necessarily mean that you're masking so that was just you know that was just me posing the question devil's advocate trying to get some thoughts provoking here so don't take any offense to my question no not at all not at all. Yeah, I see it as time and place. So you can most definitely, I kind of lean more towards time and place, but it, again, the whole mass thing, um, I think that's a good analogy of it to, you know, say it's it's a mask. However, it's time and place. Luna, as Devin mentioned, if you're at work, that's not necessarily the time and place for you to be just completely out of it. And if you can't, maintain in the place that you're at then yeah you you would want to be able to try and take a moment as you say they might let you off a couple of days or you know whatever the case may be but you know it is time and place um i am actually going to a double funeral tomorrow so most definitely been time and place these last you know couple of weeks because i've had to go to work I've had to have the same energy. I've had to be support for folks. I have people reporting to me. I've had to still do projects. I've had to still do all the things. And I lost my auntie and uncle in a house fire. And we're having a double funeral tomorrow. And I've never experienced that in my whole life. I mean, I've had a whole lot of grief in my life, but to walk into a funeral with two caskets tomorrow, we gonna see how that goes. But it's most definitely time and place. I send my condolences to you and the family, sis. Definitely. Same. Same. Sending my condolences. Condolences to you and your family. Yes. Thank you. I think one of the things also, we tend to try to compare losses. And, and this was, I mean, what Nico just said is, it hit because we've all experienced grief but relationships make it hit different the the season of your life makes it hit different um you know like in our community it has been so impactful um it's been so so frequent excuse me not impactful it's been so frequent that we're seeing deaths and i'm kind of in a season where i'm not gonna say i'm numb to it but it's not as emotionally taking a toll on me as it used to two or three years ago. Like I see it and I'm hurt. And part of me is like worried because it's like, is there going to be a major breakdown or is this just a place of understanding death more? So how are you guys looking at um, 
when you are constantly losing loved ones, whether it's family, friend, close or whatever, how, how do you process through multiple um, deaths? Um, I can probably chime in on that, Devin. Um, Devin knows me personally. Um, I've experienced death in large amount of numbers of my immediate family. Um, I just buried two kids and my uncle within the last three weeks. So um, because I experienced them in alarming numbers, I don't have the capacity to process one before another hits. So like I'm in a space where I don't know, you know, how to grieve properly. I don't know how to process death because I can't um, fully, you know, dive into the first one before another one hits. So I think for some of us, we just well, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's just I don't know how to process or grieve in a healthy way because of that. I agree a thousand percent with Miss Tierra. That was Tierra speaking, right? Yes. Yes, my condolences. Thank you. Yeah, I um, I, I agree with that. I think um, you know. I've I've uh, dealt with a lot of different uh, emotions, a lot of different uh, things, just mentally uh, in life. Uh, you know, mental health uh, is a very broad uh, area. I think that you know, grief is is grieving is is kind of a part of that. But for me, the concept of grieving and death is 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 kind of the root and the foundation of of everything that I deal with mentally and emotionally. Um, you know, I've been dealing with, you know, I dealt with my first death 30 years ago, uh, with losing my mom. And like Tierra said, um, you know, you lose somebody else. Um, you know, 30 years is a long time. I've lost and seen and dealt with a lot of different deaths over the last 30 years since the first time I, I had to, you know, really grieve somebody close to me. And, um, I still don't know how to process, um, the concept of death, right? Um, it's that's that's the hardest thing for me to, to to process mentally and emotionally, and I don't I don't think that I'm ever gonna reach that point. I've made some progress. I can get more in depth with the conversations that I can have over some of my thoughts around death, um, the concept of life and death, but it's it's still not coming from a place of of of, of truly um, knowing how to process it. I think a part of processing it is what's like literally happening right now, you know, just joining things like this, you know, finding safe spaces, um, getting out to bed in the morning, you know, getting dressed. It's all a part of processing. Sometimes I think um, we don't always give ourselves enough credit, but to have a loss, um, in your case, Holly, like 30 years ago, similar. I was nine when my father passed away. Um, I was 11 when my mother passed away. I moved in with my grandmother. Then she passed away um, when I was what, 13 or 14. Um, you know, so I so relate to, I feel like my actual 
personality, my character, everything is rooted in grief and loss. Like I wouldn't even be this Nico. This Nico is the Nico based off of grief and loss. And it's just been many, many, many other deaths throughout, you know, my life. But I do try to give myself credit for, you know, making it to the next day for, again, finding people like yourselves and getting, you know, in groups like these and just being able to to talk and, you know, have someone else who's dealt with similar things um, for sure. But um, give, give yourself some credit for just making it this far and, and that is a part of processing. I want to um, just jump in real quick because I want to respectfully exit, but I don't want to do so without saying goodbye to everyone. Um, first off, uh, I know we were just kind of conversating. Um, I want to introduce myself to those that don't know me. Uh, my name is Devin Elise. I have a nonprofit in Kansas City that focuses on mental health with emphasis on men's mental health. And with me saying that, I want to commend the men that are on here. Um, because as for the last six years, the work that I've been doing in the mental health community, there are almost very rare that men are present. So just to see the presence and to hear the um, input of you men, I commend you guys. No shade to my ladies, but you know, we do this. We, you know, we gather, we talk, we chat, we do it over wine, brunch, whatever. So um, I just wanted to first um, say thank you and commend the men that are on here. But I also just want to send my love, my condolences to those that are grieving, whether a day ago, tomorrow, a year ago, 30 years ago, um, like Holly said in the beginning, griefing, which is the title, is because ING means ongoing. Like this process never stops. The hurt never goes away. We're going to always love and miss our loved ones. We're going to experience new memories where we wish they were there. We're going to reminisce on memories that we wish we could repeat with them. And I just want to encourage everyone to continue to come to this space. Um, continue to follow if you're not already a part of um, the Blackout Couch. There are huge things that we're about to do within the podcast for men, women, and co-ed. Lifted KC is doing phenomenal things for the men in our community. So if you're not following those two entities, um, reach out to me, Holly, uh, Princess, Nico, I see Lauren on. Uh, reach out to any of us so that you guys can find a way to tap in and be able to utilize the resources that we are building for our community. Um, again, I just want to say I love all of y'all. I pray that we all heal together, and I hope to see all of you guys on other platforms and back in this support group um, on our next session. All right, I appreciate you, Jeff. You know, um, I don't want to feel like I'm uh, over overbearing or, or uh, speaking too much, um, but um, all of that just it kind of resonates with me though. Like, you know, it is an ongoing it's an ongoing process, and that's that's, that's kind of the motivation behind spaces like these. Um, and 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 that's kind of what I mean about you know the way that I process death. Like, it's 
you know, every day I think I, I understand it maybe a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, like there's there's a there's a steady ongoing uh, sort of uh, scary feeling, um, you know, about somebody close to me passing away or myself passing away, you know, knowing that tomorrow's not promised, right? You know, we all understand that life principle that at any given time it could be any one of us. That's that's still difficult for me to process. Right? That's difficult for me to process and 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 uh truly come to an understanding to where um I can handle it a little better. Like before Devin got off, she was speaking about how lately um, you know, the con you know, somebody passing away, she's been a little bit more numb or less emotional about it. Um, and that that's never the case for me. As, as as many times as I've dealt with it, I'm never more numb. I'm always very, very emotional about any just the thought of death. It makes me emotional. I think it's hard for me to build new relationships because of trying to to touch back on what you were saying earlier. Um by trying to get people to understand in the past, like the first time you don't understand, I get it. You've never been through what I'm going through. You'll never, you may never go through what I'm going through. So you can't actually comprehend the grief that I'm feeling, which makes it harder to connect to people in the future because once is okay, but once it becomes a pattern, it gets frustrating. And once it gets frustrating, that's at, at my point in my state where I break off relationships, whether it be a friendship, or a relationship or family, you know. And as far as wearing the mask, sometimes wearing the mask as it's labeled, when you change your emotional state so people don't see all the grief and sorrow, it can internally deep down change your emotional state for the time being. And for the time being, you are in a happier place. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you guys for your platform. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And actually, um, th this has been a very informative, empowering conversation for me. Um, I guess for those of us who are still here, I don't know if anyone's willing to answer this question, but a question that I have is, you know, we talked quite a bit about teaching those who we love or teaching others around us how to love us. You know, I have one of my longest lifetime lifetime friends on the line and, and she, you know, hit me up and, and told me that she won't be able to talk much because she's moving around with the kids. Um, but she can definitely attest to and, and my husband can even attest to. I'm not somebody who opens up in a vulnerable state where I tell other people when I'm not okay, let alone teaching others how to be there for me when I'm not okay. You know, it, it's kind of sad to say, but a lot of the people that I'm very close with right now have just learned me by observing and just by picking up my energy. So maybe for the sake of me, you know, if somebody can can drop some, some wisdom about how do you teach other people 
how to love you and, and how to, you know, be there for you. How do you even start the conversation? You know, we had lunch and dinner and I'm like, hey, and by the way, when I'm not okay, do this. Like, how does that, how does that work? <laughs> I can chime in real quick. I haven't said, well, you know, when you said I'm, I'm dealing with the kids, but either way, so just, you know, with our dynamic, you know, we can, we flip-flop conversations. We don't talk for a couple of weeks and pick up like, you know, we've never dropped off. So I think that that question isn't necessarily generalized. I believe that's a case-by-case basis because it's going to depend on your relationship with that person. So like with us, you know, I can just hit you up like, Hey, you know how so-and-so happened? That was one of those moments when I felt like this. And, you know, when I get in those moments, I just need you to do this. Or, you know, if it's like someone you're not as close to, but they're like maybe a coworker or something, maybe just kind of ease into it. So like uh, someone mentioned earlier, if those people are in tune with you, they'll acknowledge it. So maybe in the time when, you know, they acknowledge it later on or if they bring it back up, then you can kind of just address it then. Like, yeah, you know, that was one of those days. And when I have those moments, I just need you to do this. So I, I do kind of believe that that how to approach that depends on your relationship with that person. Right on, right on. For me, like I, I, I can't even begin to have conversations like that if it's not somebody close to me. Um, and so it does depend on the relationship that you have with though with that person because there's people close to me that that I don't you know trust well enough to, to even have those sort of conversations with um, and then there are people close to me that I that I do trust with with, with, with those sort of you know emotional um, guidelines right um, and I think it does you know like like the just said like I think it does depend on um, you know just how close you are to that person um, but you know, for me, and and uh, you know this because you know you, you you we're partners. You know, I'm I'm just really open. Like I wear my sleeve on the outside if I if I really truly trust somebody. Um, so it's it's good, bad, ugly, or otherwise. I just I try to wear my sleeves on the outside. Um, and and um, it's not even I, I may be in a very very good mood when I open up that conversation. But I could also be triggered by trying to express the passion or the importance behind what I'm trying to express, right? So it could it could turn ugly, right? So I don't think that it's any easy way uh, to have a conversation. Like I think it's it's just really about trust. Um, at some point, um, I, I I feel like I had gathered enough trust with with certain people close to me where I felt like the conversations had to be had, whether they went well or not. Concept of trust. That's a uh, easy word to say, hard word to embody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I agree. Um, but I that's know, what I, I really mean. like trust. What's trust? You know, I, I, that's why I feel like you know, I, I, I keep posing those questions. You know, just just to get other other people's point of view or um best practices um and just to try to unpack it all right because i think a lot of it a lot of the way uh that we approach these things uh do come from um societal upbringing and 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 uh some 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 different traditions um some different ways of thinking 
that um, we we started to move towards, you know, dispelling, right? Like, like you know, that, that wasn't really the way we should have been approaching this, that, and the other. I think that we, we kind of moving towards that as a community. And so um, I want to unpack it, right? Like, I want to get to the bottom of, you know, what, because I can tell you, I gave the example earlier when I started, when I when I just talked about the aspect of, of being a black man, like there there's an example of, of, of some of the things that we do need to continue to dispel and, and, and break down and get rid of. And then maybe we can start to approach things like grieving and trusting the next person uh, that's close to you. And we can start to approach those things in a different way if we can get to the root cause of why we even look at certain things a certain way because you know trust is a powerful thing right but why do we why do we define trust like we do in our community because we we the trust is a real big issue just in our community whether we're talking about on from a personal you know friendship level business wise like there's there's a huge lack of trust which is which is why we you know lack so much we lack unity in our community and and that and that starts with trust. So that's that's another example. Why do we look at trust like that? In the ways that we do. I agree. And um, with certain things as as far as the topic goes, um, I think a lot of times, you know, when Prince has brought up the topic, you know, how do you say how do you express someone that love? I said boundaries. I think a lot of people need to get to the point to where it's okay to set boundaries, especially when you're dealing with grief, you know, because at times, you know, it's like for general, like I tell my friends, like, I'm just not feeling it. You know what I'm saying? Just don't force that. Don't force it on me. You know what I'm saying? Just let me have my moment. I'm going to reach back out to you. Just, I'm just going through some things right now at the moment. So, in regards to that, you know what I'm saying, I think I'm big on setting particular boundaries. You know, and then if I feel like if I'm if I'm capable of opening up to you, I'll tell you what's going on, you know what I'm saying, let you know or whatnot. But yeah, I think we gotta get to a better state of mind of basically just setting boundaries for ourselves. Boundaries is a whole topic by itself. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I think, and I forgot, you know, I think they kind of coincide too, on it because, like, it's, you know, I think it's okay to set boundaries even with, with people that you trust, right? Like, it's, I think that setting boundaries is just as important as, as anything. Um, and and um, I think that that's related to the whole concept of, of you know, how we, we have to assess the relationships around us, right? So I do, I do, I do think it's okay. I think it's okay sometimes. Uh, to to still be able to set boundaries and say, you know what, I don't I don't trust this person to this to this effect to 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 explain to them what I'm going through, you know whether that's based on prior experiences or whatever. But yeah, I do I do agree with that. I think boundaries and trust go hand in hand, and I think you can still set boundaries with people that you do trust a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's necessary, right? Like part of setting boundaries, even with people that you trust, is is learning to trust yourself first. 
and learning to create that space for your yourself, right? Like learning to love yourself because people who love you, they oftentimes need you, but just like you need yourself. It's kind of a ratio thing when you put in your trust into other people and you see why it's been broken and why it's hard to trust people. All right, that's what I'm there's on. a ratio of good and bad. And if there's more bad and I can't trust more people, it's hard to try and trust future people because it might take them years to show you why you can't trust them. Yeah. You know, and, and um, is that, is that Miss Ali speaking? Yes, sir, it was. That was, you know, I I wholeheartedly um, relate to, to you speaking about, you know, the concept of, of bringing new relationships into your life, because I, I, I can't, I'm beyond that point, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that I can have new, close, intimate relationships. You know, uh, if, if you're not here now, then you're not going to be here. Right. I don't, you know, you know, relationships that I form that are new won't be those those close, intimate relationships, you know, with people that I truly can open up to. So I truly I, I, I understand that. And, and that's, you know, that's a scary thought in itself. Right. No. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Like is it, that's the hardest part is the moving forward part when you tried to move forward so many times with so many different people that it's just like you some people hit their breaking point of doing that. Mm-hmm. And to speak on the grief and the and the deaths already this year, I told somebody just a couple of days ago, I've already been to so many funerals. I'm not going to no more funerals this summer. Like y'all better people better act right. <laughs> <laughs> You know that's that that's another topic in itself, right? Like you know funerals, um, you know uh, funerals are supposed to be about you know paying your respect, but you know speaking as a person that's been to way more funerals than I can count, um, sometimes you don't you don't want to be there, or you may not want to be there. And, no, and I'll visit the gravesite. I said that as well. I'm not like I yeah. I can't do any more viewings. Yeah. Um, but I I'll go re- pay my respects and I'll say my goodbyes. But yeah. no, I was just saying like you know there there's times there's been certain deaths that that um I've had close to me where um I didn't feel like going to any of that because of the way that I was grieving it. And uh, some people take that as disrespect. And and I just wanted to speak on just my experience in that. Like I've had those, those, those certain funerals, um, you know, that I didn't, I didn't want to be there at all. Right. And I think that that's still okay. That's really the point that I was making. I think that that's still okay. If, if, uh, you know, you don't attend a funeral for whatever reason. That's just my opinion. If, you know, I don't know how uh, some people are very strong. They feel very strongly about stuff like that, right? You know, you don't miss certain people's funerals. So uh, I just want to say I connect with it. So. For certain folks, it is it is a respect thing, and it's a respect level, and I understand that. But yeah, yeah, some sometimes you grieve, and you need to grieve on your own. Like you can't grieve outwardly. 
that's the time yeah. that I think sometimes I need my mask. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just looking at the time and, and, and kind of the natural flow of the conversation, I guess I want to pose one more question to anyone who's willing to answer. Um, and, and this one I, I struggle with um, for a number of reasons, but, you know, have, have anybody ever given any thought to any preparation you might have done or be doing for those around you on how to process when it's your time? When it's your time to go? You know, um, I'll, I'll answer um, just because that's, that's always something that's real heavy on my mind. Um, but I, I don't know that that's a, that that's something that, that many people can process. Like, you know, how do you prepare others close to you, um, for when they have to grieve you? Um, but that is one of the things that's, that's always heavy on my mind. Just even having that thought, cause I mean, we, it, it's, it's one or the other, you know, you either grieving somebody or somebody is grieving you and uh that time is gonna come for all of us so i don't really know the answer to the question but i i would be interested to see if anybody else has ever even thought about that that's 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 pretty heavy and i'm i'm kind of agreeing with him like i i honestly don't know like that would just be something like i don't know that's that's something that really got me thinking like damn it kind of left me left me speechless just on how to just really respond to that like i that's a real heavy question right there yeah i could probably chime in on this a little bit um me and my husband talk about this a lot and we talk about um if something was to happen to one of us um how do we want each other to move on or um, and that sort. And I always tell my husband, like, if, if something happens to me, I want you to, um, I want you to grieve me, but not for long. And I want you to, um, I want you to date, you know, I want you to, I want you to, you know, be in love again. And we talk about it in that sense. Um, I don't, we don't talk about too much of like, um, I don't want you, you know, I don't want you to really be devastated or nothing like that. But as far as, like us in our marriage, we talk about I like I want him to to move on if something was to happen to me. I want him to grieve me for a short amount of time, but I still want him to to know that there's somebody else out there that can love him and that you know that he he won't be doing me a disservice if he you know was to find someone else. And he says the same thing to me. Uh, I don't know if it's true <laughs> if that's really how he feel, but we talk about it in that sense. And is that the only person that you've talked about, like, you know, in the event of your untimely death with that you've had that sort of conversations with? Yeah, he's, he's the only person that I talk to because he's the only person that I'm, you know, comfortable with talking to um, things like that of that sort. Um, I don't think I would be able to have that conversation with my siblings. Or I don't even think I would be able to have that conversation with my kids. I'm just not in a in a place um, of comfortability where I could be able to do that right now in this moment. Yeah, yeah, understood. Yeah, and this is for me like it's just it's just the the um, the thought like don't that that thought sort of haunts me 
Um, and and I don't, you know, I'm like you. I don't I don't know if I could have that conversation with anybody else other than my wife, um, conversation wise. But I have the thought about everybody around me, right? Like like I don't have the you know the the desire, the willingness, uh, the courage. I think it takes to have those conversations with everybody around me, but the thoughts are still there. Like you know, I don't I don't know how to like begin to have those sort of conversations about um you know how to prepare for so it's heavy that that is that is a very heavy one um that's one that's that's always on my mind yeah you know i'll hop in here miss tiara that's uh, quite commendable that you even have those conversations with your husband, um, because I do not, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't even tried to, to brace it. You know, I think um, part of it is is because I, I just know him, right? And I know that if I even start trying to bring up a world or a universe where he's existing without me after we've been married, it's quickly going to get shut down. <laughs> so maybe I use that as a scapegoat, but um, that that's part of it. I do have strong opinions about this uh, specific question because I think that I was fortunate, you know, just kind of in, in how my father's passing went. Um, I'll share this in this space because I do think it's a pretty powerful testimony. But uh, my father was rushed to the hospital literally seven days before he passed away. And you know, I was at the house before we had to call an ambulance and it was almost as if he passed away in my arms. And I'm a very spiritual person. It was it was just crazy how the whole thing went. It's like, I, I never wake up early. I'm not a morning person. Um, and I, you know, woke up out of my sleep at about 4.30 in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep. So I went to Starbucks and got some breakfast for my mom, my dad, my brother, and went to their house. And my father was already eating his oatmeal. He loves to eat. And he um he reached out to me and said, you know, my 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 real name is Ade Kemi. I do go by Princess. And he said, Ade Kemi, come here, let me pray for you. And the moment that I touched his hand, as soon as I touched his hand, he lost consciousness. And I, I caught him, I grabbed him, and he was not breathing. And I started praying for him. And again, just a very spiritual, faith-driven family. And, and he came back. He came back too. I was in the hospital with him all day that day. That night, you know, he uh, he called me or had my brother call me. My mom, my brother, my dad and I, we would all have nightly family prayers where before we went to bed every night we would pray. And this specific night, and I have this recorded, if anybody does not believe me, this specific night, he says to my mom and my brother, I don't feel like if I didn't wake up today that you all would be ready. And I'm telling you right now, you need to get ready because I'm not going to be here for long. You all are going to put me away where I need to be one day. You're going to expect me to come back and I'm not going to come back and you need to be ready. 
Seven days later, my mom wakes up to get in the shower. It's about 6.30, 6.40. My dad didn't wake her up to make his breakfast. Remember, a week ago, it was 5.15. I'm at their house. He eating his oatmeal. He liked to eat. He didn't, he didn't wake up, tell my mom to make breakfast. My mom's thinking, oh, thank God, I finally got a morning where, where I can kind of just have some time to myself. I'm going to shower. I'm going to clean up. I'm going to do the dishes. I'll make his oatmeal before I leave for work. She showers, she get out the shower, she putting a lotion on, about to get dressed, but then she noticed that my father wasn't snoring. He was a snorer. So she goes to, you know, check on him. And, you know, first she thinking, oh, he just sleeping really well. Maybe his sleep apnea machine was working, you know. She she goes to shake him and wake him up. He ice cold. He's ice cold. You know, I'll spare y'all the details from there, but my father lived his entire life giving us different parables. He was Nigerian um, and, you know, just really trying to instill different principles, different ways on how to treat people, making sure that you bring your community with you, right? Like reinforcing the whole concept of being tribal, of, of, of really like, not only being there for the fun and the laughs and the games, but like being there when someone don't even know they need you type being there. That was my father. And so I do believe that throughout his entire life, he kind of instilled in those around him different life lessons that they needed and kind of broke off pieces of himself um, to be in them. And I try to pay that forward. I try to do my best to support anybody who's close to me, even if it doesn't seem like that venture is going to be successful to the natural eye, right? I try to manifest my love and my faith and my optimism into those around me. So maybe, no, I'm not having conversations about what people should do literally when I pass away. But I hope that by being an example of faith, a faith-driven woman, that those around me will have support systems, beliefs, and, and faith to be able to move on when my time comes. Well, basing on the vibe in the room, I think the mic got dropped, y'all. <laughs> and with that, with that being said, you know, I definitely want to thank each and every one of y'all um, for joining us in this space today and, and, and for believing in this movement and, you know, for being some of the early ones to help us plant these seeds that we believe are going to grow and flourish um, for, for fruitful healing flowers with those around us um, and we definitely will be doing this again on a regular cadence on a regular basis uh, I don't know if anyone here is based locally in Kansas City but we will be having a meetup um, 
I believe it's eight days from now, Saturday of next week. The information is all on Facebook, so check it out. If you're not in um, Kansas City, no, in St. Louis, we will this summer, this fall time frame, start having similar offerings there. We're just trying to get our, our bearings in order. Um, and then, of course, there will be a podcast that we'll be launching on May 4th. Um, so be on the lookout for that if you want to continue to stay tuned into this this community that we're creating multiple ways to tap in and multiple resources that that we'll be providing so before we go you know um i i do think that it would be worthwhile just to have a moment of of silence for the lost loved ones that we have that we all have you know um just kind of a moment of silent prayer uh, and, and a moment of acknowledgement for us to just be here in solitude before before we uh, end for the evening. Amen for that. Amen for that. Listen, I hope everybody is uh at least uh you know feeling feeling good tonight. You know, if if you're not feeling so good, uh you know my thoughts and prayers to you. But I want everybody to have a safe weekend. Um and 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 like 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 I Kimmy said, check back in with us. I appreciate everybody for tapping in and and uh it took a lot of courage just to come in whether you speak or you listen. Uh, these, these spaces are safe spaces, uh, and we want to continue to do things like this. So I thank everybody for coming out. Thank you, guys. Peace and blessings to all y'all. Peace and blessings. Wow. That's right. That's right. And I'll just end us with this quote. Be there for others, but never leave yourself behind. Peace, blessings, and healing for all. Have a good night, y'all.